thanks very much for the introduction. It's going to be a, a, brief, um, just a brief chat with a Q&A afterwards. I'm really excited to be here at Queen's. Yes, because I get to spend a day and a half with all of you, uh, but also I'm DJing at a wedding in a few months' time, so it's a great scouting mission as well. Um, so really excited about that. Um, my background, um, I uh, run a company called Social uh, Purpose Union. We help companies and organisations communicate their social purpose, uh, but I'm very uh, interested in, in speechwriting. It's a thing that we help our clients with, um, because my background is in uh, debating. Uh, so I actually debated at the Oxford Union uh, almost 15 years ago now when I was a student here, uh, winning the World Debating Championship for the university, but also more recently being a coach of the national debating team and also writing a book, um, as has just been said, about the topic. And I think social purpose is a really interesting uh, topic at the moment, which I think many of you who work for companies or who are connected to companies probably realise that the word purpose has manifested itself a lot over the last uh, few months uh, and years especially. just want to ask a quick question. Who here believes that companies should take positions on major social and political issues in that country or globally? It's interesting. Okay, so opinion is split. Well, investors, technology, the growing importance of millennials have all pushed this agenda, I think, to the fore for many companies. And we get clients coming to us who are asking questions such as, how do we even begin to articulate what our social purpose is, why we exist, what our social contribution is? And you may have seen uh, across, the, across the world companies like Nike, uh, companies like Procter & Gamble, uh, companies like Iceland really wading into these big social issues. I think there's a really important implication for the way leaders of these organisations talk to internal and external uh, audiences via speeches. Um, and I'm going to cover a few of them now. What, what do we mean by social purpose? Well, very briefly, um, there was a world at a time when companies would take some profit and then would do a whole range of things ranging from uh, donating money to charity to building infrastructure in the communities that they live in. The world is moving towards, and I think the conversation is moving towards, a model where companies use their core business to help address social challenges, and secondly, become more like activists. In many ways, the leaders and CEOs of businesses are beginning to sound like and talk like political candidates or campaigners. And in terms of the implications of speechwriting, I think there are five things I want to briefly cover. The first is authenticity. Because I think one of the biggest questions, that, or the biggest challenges, I think, for companies when they want to express their role in society is people don't believe them. People say, well, you're a profit-making entity who cares about shareholders. You're doing this as a marketing stick. Or you're doing this because you, you feel you have to. Um, if you look at the aftermath of Procter & Gamble, I don't know if, if any of you saw the, the, the ad from Gillette. It's obviously a brand owned by Procter & Gamble, which talked about toxic masculinity. Really interesting ad, quite controversial. A lot of people sort of said, yeah, well, it's pretty good, but they're doing it basically to market themselves as a progressive company. So how do you get over that authenticity hurdle? Well, one way is obviously having a leader, having a spokesperson in the company who comes across in an incredibly passionate way. Corporate leaders are used to giving speeches all the time. 
AGMs to investors, roadshows they're raising, raising funds or, or preparing for an IPO. And they're usually not, not dry, but they're usually quite technical. They usually don't have that much feeling in them. When they have to talk about some of the biggest issues in the world, gender equality, racism, immigration, climate change, the things that literally make the difference between people's lives, uh, makes a massive difference in people's lives. Obviously, there's a whole different type of emotion, a different type of framing, a different type of language that you need to connect to. And that puts pressure, I think, and I think it was really interesting um, hearing the last speaker <coughs> talk about her principle, uh, about how a leader actually feels about these issues. And that's why often when we work with leaders, and we've, we, we've, we've done this recently for one, we actually spend quite a lot of months up until that particular speech, so launching a new campaign, actually helping a leader figure out why they care so much about that issue, immersing that particular leader in the topic. Because to be honest, if I'm, I'm going to be absolutely frank here, most of the leaders we work with, uh, unfortunately, tend to be men uh, in their 50s or 60s who are white. And all of a sudden, they've got to talk about things like Me Too or things like immigration. And even though they care about them, actually finding the words and actually finding the language and the framing to make them feel authentic and not just someone who's jumping in a bandwagon is difficult. So authenticity is the first one. That links very closely to the second thing, which I think is really important, is that these issues are complicated. And it's really easy, I think, um, for an organisation or a leader who wants to wade into these big social issues to misspeak or to be misinterpreted. So a recent example, we had a CEO um, of a, a fairly large organisation who's going to give a speech on, on race. And, and the racial disparity in pay in the United Kingdom. Um, one thing that was bugging him in particular was he didn't know how to call people who are black. He didn't know what word to use. So do you use the term BAME, which is black and minority ethnic? Do you use the words BME? Do you use the words people of color? Um, the Home Secretary got in trouble recently for using the word colored on radio. Um, so it sounds like a very simple very simple sort of question that could be resolved, but there is no really easy answer to that question. It's a difficult topic, right? Gender politics are very difficult. And I think the stakes are higher in a world where social media means that your message can travel further. And so I think one of the things the speechwriters that we all need to work on and, and continue to, and why we're so important, is that we reflect the outside world in the advice that we give to our principles that actually uh, the world is changing. A term or way of speaking, which may have been acceptable 10 years ago, 15 years ago, is no longer acceptable, especially when you're talking about such sensitive topics. Again, we had another client who uh, we spent five hours discussing the, the merits of using the term queer versus LGBTQ. Queer, a term which has been recaptured by the LGBT movement, uh, and whether or not actually as someone who uh, himself was someone who was queer, could you use that term, right? So the language actually matters a lot, not just in terms of how people feel in the room, but the reputation of the company or organization you represent. The third, millennials and Generation Z. Uh, I mentioned earlier on, a, a, gen a, a demographic, which is a key driver of this purpose agenda. We've done tons of focus groups, we've done tons of surveys, which show the millennials care about this a lot, in terms of who they work for, who they buy from, who they invest in. But millennials also don't want to hear an organisation talk about how amazing they are. They see themselves as activists. They want to be the heroes in the story. 
So I, I, I don't know if many of you have been in a situation where you, you listen to a company talk about their credentials as a good corporate citizen or someone who plays their role in the world. And they talk about themselves in a, in a way which seems that they are perfect, that there's no one else in this story that's necessary. When actually, I think the best speeches I've seen delivered by leaders talking about this agenda empowers the people in the room. It makes you the heroes of the story. And I think I saw a recent speech by an amazing speaker, corporate speaker, uh, who's fairly well known, who spoke to a room full of under 35s. And even though it was supposed to be a pitch about why that company was particularly a good one to work for because it's of its green credentials, it spoke about what the people in the room could do, how they could use their platform, their energy to be activists in their own companies, and ideally in the company that they were hopefully going to work for at some point. So writing a speech in a way that makes, especially millennials, feel that they are part of the journey, that they're the heroes in the story, I think is really important as well. Two more things very briefly. Pre-bottle. Now, I, I use the term pre-bottle as an evolution from the word rebuttal, which is obviously responding to an argument that's been made against you. And I mentioned how controversial some of these topic is, uh, topics are. Um, there are both sides of a lot of these debates. It's not clear that single-use plastics, if we get rid of them, would make the world greener. There's a, there's a case for saying that, actually, um, it's not ideal, but it's better than the alternative. There's a strong case for saying that, actually, eliminating palm oil use from the supply chain um, completely might actually have a, 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 an unpredictable or second-order effect that might hurt um, people in the developing world. These are complicated debates, and I think one of the things about wading into them is an acknowledgement that there are multiple sides. Um, and factoring that into your speech, so road testing and sort of uh, kicking the tires of the issue that you want to talk about, I think is really important. So what we tend to do is we tend to take an issue, we get two people to come in and actually test that by having a formal debate. And then we hear those arguments and then we reflect that in the speech to almost preempt um, some of the arguments that are going to be made against us. You can't do that totally, of course. But the way you frame an argument can help defend that argument from attack. In a world, in an era of hot takes, again, partly because of social media, people will attack you. There will be people who will be against you. Um, if you release an advert on toxic masculinity, people like Piers Morgan are going to tweet about it. Not in a nice way. Um, that, for me, if, 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 if Piers Morgan is the person you annoy um, because of your campaign, you've probably done something right. But the point of the matter is, Having that pre-bottle there in your speech, I think, is really important as well. The final thing I want to say is uh, avoid playing it safe. I think, um, and this is so true of, I think, companies more than sort of campaign groups or activists, that, um, again, they've been used to sort of giving safe speeches, which are tested, which are signed off by a lot of people, and that sometimes means it plays the lowest common denominator. I think in, in a world where lots of companies and organisations are trying to stand out in a noisy world, where holding attention is very difficult, actually people are awarded, and I think speakers are awarded, for being bold, for pushing the envelope a bit, and for being thought-provoking. That's challenging um, because it means you might get into a debate. It, might, you might get, it means it might get you into a fight. But I think actually the, the leaders who are confident enough to put their argument across in a clear and compelling way in a speech and make that speech stand out by saying something that's genuinely distinctive and thought-provoking are the ones I think you get the reputation against. So that's just sort of my quick 
um, sort of ran over slightly, but my brief overview of, of what we're seeing um, on the social uh, purpose landscape. It's fascinating. I think it means the world of speechwriter is incredibly influential, but it also means there's a huge amount of pressure to reflect the outside world and the changing conversation that's happening out there about a whole range of topics from climate change to LGBT rights to Me Too um, uh, is higher. Um, thank you very much. Happy to take any questions.